there's lots of talk about how the pilgrims were greatly influenced by the Jewish teachings and that that they read from the Psalms and from the, quote, Old Testament. And when I wrote about this, I said, it's a kind of claim that represents a cultural version of the mathematical principle of the transitive property of equality, <laughs> meaning if our texts were recited by pilgrims, then by extension, we were present at the foundational moment of the nation, and we were virtual pilgrims ourselves. Hi, and welcome to The Big Schmear, the podcast celebrating Jewish food, culture, and history. I'm your host, Beth Schenker. I'm guessing most everyone has their Thanksgiving menus and dining plans in place. At this point, the last thing you need from me is another recipe for a side dish or turkey. So instead, I've invited Dr. Beth Winger of UPenn, an expert on Jewish American history, to talk about the Jewish connection to President Abraham Lincoln and the holiday of Thanksgiving. Here's a little about my special guest. Professor Beth S. Winger is the Moritz and Josephine Berg Professor of History and Associate Dean for Graduate Studies in the School of Arts and Sciences at the University of Pennsylvania. She is the author of a number of publications, including The Jewish Americans, Three Centuries of Jewish Voices in America. Professor Winger was one of four founding historians who helped to create the core exhibition at the National Museum of American Jewish History in Philadelphia, and she continues to serve as historical consultant to the museum. Welcome, Beth. I'm so happy you're able to join me on this holiday episode of The Big Schmear. It's a pleasure to be here. I know for a lot of American Jews, Thanksgiving is a favorite holiday, and I love that there's a connection between the holiday and President Abraham Lincoln, who was a friend to the Jews. I thought maybe we'd start our conversation by having you provide some context for what life was like in America at the time of President Lincoln. Well, life was very difficult. I mean, certainly during the war years for North and South. I will say that if you take the span of Lincoln's lifetime, uh, you can trace great growth in the size of the American Jewish community with probably about 3,000 in 1809, the year he was born, and grew to 150,000 by 1860. Wow. Um, so largely due to that, that was the years of peace migration from Central Europe. So Jews at that time were actually spread across the country by the time of the Civil War, and uh, many were in retail and small business, all sorts of different professions. But like other Americans during the Civil War, Jewish families found themselves divided. The war was was wrenching for everyone, Jews included. Were they mostly in big cities in the East, whether it be North and South, or were Jewish Americans in all corners of the country by then? Well, by then, really, it's, it's that migration that starts in the picks up in the 1830s and goes um, through the 70s and 80s, where Jews actually settle throughout the Midwest and even to the West Coast. They're mostly in cities, but this migration wave really changes the demographic profile in many ways, including 
making the Jewish community move from primarily on the East Coast to major areas of settlement that were Cleveland and Cincinnati and Chicago, all the way out west to San Francisco was a major Jewish community. So they're really they're really spread out. No, there's still a large proportion in the Northeast, but but they're spread out throughout the country. They're they're Jewish communities, mostly in urban areas across the nation. Mm-hmm. And what would you, um, well, we, before we talk about specifics that connect Jewish Americans to Thanksgiving, I wonder if you could also talk about some specifics uh, about what it means when people say Lincoln was a friend to the Jews and the Jewish communities at large in the United States during his presidency. Well, Lincoln probably knew very few Jews when he grew up, but he did have some Jews who were his close political allies, Abraham Jonas, an Illinois businessman and politician. He met in the, probably in the 1840s, uh, probably counseled him to run for president, actually. I think he's, and there are others who he knew, who he interacted with. But what he's best known for is after um, General Grant issued his infamous General Orders Number 11 in 1862 that barred Jews as a class from all territories under his control, which were mostly three states in the South, because he thought they were smuggling cotton and other goods during the war. Um, after Grant issued those orders, actually, Lincoln was crucial in overturning them. And for Jews, this was really um, very, very difficult in, in the sense that to be expelled as a class was something that triggers past expulsions in Jewish history and wasn't what they expected in the United States. So this was a major act. It, it was also, by the way, under Lincoln in 1862, he approved legislation creating the first uh, Jewish military chaplain. The chaplaincy was reserved for Christians before that. And, you know, that was important. There were about 7,000 Jews in the Union Army. That's a, big, um, that's a good number. So he really did have an impact on Jewish communities across the country, which is pretty astounding. Yeah, he knew Jews. He took these acts that I've just described. I would say it has a lot to do with the fact that he was a real Republican of the era, meaning there were certain factors of religious pluralism and freedom that he believed in. Mm-hmm. It was more his principles than, oh, uh, he was friends of Jews, if you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah I, d- I do understand what you're saying. Uh, and shows what a great man he was in many ways. Maybe you could speak a little bit about how the Jewish communities across the country embraced or did not embrace that holiday. Like, what? how, how did the community, community react to that holiday as a group? So there's a lot to say about that. First of all, very early on, Jews embraced Thanksgiving as, in part because it was a non-sectarian holiday and one that they could share with other Americans. So it became, in some ways, a time to advertise their commonalities with other Americans and to stake a claim in a kind of mutual meta-history rooted particularly in the Bible, 
also there's lots of talk about how the pilgrims were greatly influenced by the Jewish teachings and that, you know, that they read from their, from the Psalms and from the quote Old Testament. And when I wrote about this, I said, it's a kind of claim that represents a cultural version of the mathematical principle of the transitive property of equality. <laughs> Meaning if our texts were recited by pilgrims, then by extension, we were present at the foundational moment of the nation and we were virtual pilgrims ourselves. So it's a, I'm not saying this in, um, I'm saying this was part of Jewish rhetoric of establishing belonging to connect the pilgrims as carrying Jewish tradition. And that's what the nation was founded on. So it's a way of making belonging with those kinds of arguments. Now, I should also say that the other thing that happens with Thanksgiving is a little more bitter in terms of making belonging, which is that in the 19th century, it was very common for governors or other sorts of of politicians to make calls for worshiping in, in churches. So Thanksgiving is not celebrated today in churches, but it was. And over and over and over again in the 19th century, Jews, Jewish leaders, rabbis, communal leaders, rail against the call to worship in churches, saying that essentially it's un-American, that, you know, this is a holiday that belongs to all. So there is a, there is a kind of pushback that goes with Thanksgiving, too, to, again, to lay a claim to it. Right. It's, it's complicated. And so I'm certainly familiar with lots of Jewish people who love Thanksgiving. It's one of their favorite holidays. I think for some of the obvious answer, uh, answers that you just spoke about, but also for many other reasons. But I also know at the same time that there's, for more in the more observant communities across the country, there is little recognition of the holiday. And right. I wonder, can you speak to that at all? Well, the notion that it isn't a holiday for Jews. Now, that's not most Jews, but there are some who think that this is, is, is not our holiday, and so we shouldn't be observing it. In its essence, it should be a non-sectarian holiday, and there are many Jews, most Jews observe Thanksgiving, not with any religious sense, but as a, as a sense in, not this year maybe, but in most years, just to gather as family and extended families and, and things like that. I will say that it took especially immigrant Jews a while to get used to Thanksgiving. You know, one thing we forget is that most Jews have never seen a turkey before arriving in the United States. They're not native to oh. where that they, that they live. Huh. And so, in, in fact, you get in the 19-teens, there's an article in the New York Times noting the fact that a group of immigrants arriving at Ellis Island were treated to their first taste of of, of the holiday, they arrived, you know, at Thanksgiving, and, mm. and their first taste of an American turkey. And yeah. there's similar stories of me kind of figuring out how to observe Thanksgiving. For example, Elizabeth Stern, who was a social worker, wrote a, a terrific memoir, actually. And she talked in that memoir about her immigrant father bringing home a turkey for the first time. And her mother looked at it and said, well, this is kind of like a duck or a chicken usually eat it eaten on, you know, by Jews on on holidays. And 
So what did they do? You know, this was also the 1920s, 20s. They set the table with a white cloth and her father, you know, recited lessons from the Talmud, creating a kind of Jewish version of it. So, you know, that it took years a while, but, but eventually it settled in, not, not like that usually, but as, as sort of a family holiday. Uh-huh. So are there any other changes or uh, things that you could mention about how the Jewish connection may have changed over those decades? Are there other things that you noticed in your studies about Jewish American life that talk about how this holiday became embraced in, uh, in other ways? Well, I'll say also, you know, right around this period, like most American holidays, for example, this is American non-sectarian holidays, like July 4th is similar to this. Mm -hmm. It becomes a time, as I said in the beginning, to stake a claim to belonging. But, and this is not only on the left, but especially on the left, to critique America for what it's not living up to. In the British press, for example, it was not uncommon for Jewish socialists to point out that well, here we are giving thanks at a time when so many Americans are enduring poverty and poor working conditions. And they often attack the hypocrisy surrounding Thanksgiving. Hmm. You know, the rich ladies who come once a year to give out turkeys to the poor and what they really need are good jobs and better wages and better working conditions. So that you get a lot of that around Thanksgiving. And, and the notion that somehow immigrants are themselves the ones who, who understand the true Thanksgiving and, and, and what it means. So I always found that very interesting. Yeah. There are also more playful things in the Yiddish press about Thanksgiving. A little later, like in the late 30s, there's a, an article in the forefront that really sarcastically pokes fun at all the advertisements in Jewish papers about observing Thanksgiving, you know, in the great tradition that Jews have always done. And they, there's, a, there's a great quote where they said, where this article says, yeah, right. Isn't it the case that our grandfathers from Eastern Europe with their beards and their payas and their yarmulkes uh, are coughing grandfathers? Isn't, isn't it so that they were rugged gunmen who uh, ate turkeys they hunted themselves? You know, sort of making <laughs> fun of it. Right. So, you know, like a lot of holidays, Thanksgiving's a chance, I would say, to seriously and sometimes not so seriously for Jews to engage with what the holiday means, how they've adapted it, or how they think about themselves as Americans. Mm -hmm. So one thing that, that I know a lot of families do at their table, which might be this year at their table or over a Zoom call or however the many ways that people will be creative about sharing their Thanksgiving dinner and talk about um, giving thanks. And so what I wonder is, in addition to that, if you might have some thoughts about suggested dialogue or things that people can talk about this year in particular about Thanksgiving and maybe about being Jewish. And I know some of your, you know, you can certainly mention, I would love for you to mention some of your books um, as well, some of your publications. But what are some, some ideas that you might have about that? 
I mean, I think that, look, it's tough to find things good from this pandemic. But one of the things that has happened is new ways to create communication, to create community, to reinvent Jewish practices. So there's a there's a way of, of trying to focus on what may have been gained and what may have been learned through struggle. But adversity often does bring both ingenuity and uh, often, you know, new perspectives. So mm-hmm. maybe a chance to reflect on those. Mm-hmm. And if um, some of my listeners would like to delve more into Jewish American history in general, um, I wonder if you have some reading suggestions, including some of your own publications, that they might look into. Well, my own work, I, I wrote a, a first book on New York Jews and the Great Depression, which actually has some relevance for, for, for moments of crisis. And the book that has more about these kinds of national holidays that I was talking about is a book called History Lessons, The Creation of American Jewish Heritage. And of course, I would sit here for an hour if I named all the wonderful books there are in American Jewish history. There are, it's, it's a very rich field now with a lot of great, great reads. And so if, if someone wanted to find out uh, the best way to find out more about you or your books, I know there's always Amazon, but any other suggestions or where they might eat more easily find a selection of books that they could research? Well, one great starting place is the American Jewish Historical Society's website, which has lots of great resources and including readings and videos and all sorts of things. It's a great portal into the vast scholarship on American Jewish history. And can you also say again the name of the writer of that memoir that you mentioned a little while ago? Uh, Elizabeth Stern. Great. I actually had never heard of her, and it sounds like a great memoir to check out. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me about this topic, because I think there's lots for people to think about this Thanksgiving, and I think we've given them some suggestions of ways to think about the holiday, think about their own connection to it, their own past, but also to do some investigating about what kinds of things might might be gleaned from doing some research on their own and, and just some interesting reading into Jewish history. Okay, well, it was a pleasure. My trusted advisor and recording and mix engineer is Steve Robinson. The Big Schmear theme music is performed by Cavatino Duo from their CD entitled Sephardic Journey on the CD record label. If you like The Big Schmear, Please don't forget to subscribe to my podcast, follow my Instagram account at Beth the Jewish Foodie, or share a like on my Facebook group page. And please do tell your friends to listen. It's the best way for my podcast to continue to grow. You can always find recipes on my website, thebigschmear.com. If you have comments or questions, I'd love to hear from you. Please email me at beth at thebigschmear.com. I'm the host of The Big Schmear. Thank you for listening. Please be safe this holiday and happy eating.